Get ready to fast track your mindset to millions. You're listening to the Mindset to Millions.com podcast, where we deliver you insider confessions and secrets from the world's top entrepreneurs, coaches, and thought leaders. Welcome to the Mindset to Millions podcast. I'm Joel Ennersley, and I am super excited to introduce our guest on the show today. Um, this person's going to give us some pretty incredible insights um, to understanding our beliefs around money from a really interesting perspective. An amazing background. This person was raised in a billionaire household and then found themselves paying off millions of dollars in their adult- adulthood. Then they went on to create and sustain a high level of personal wealth. An amazing story. Um, I'm really excited to introduce the Right Riches for You facilitator, dynamic producer, author, philanthropist, and art-loving mother of two, the <laughs> fabulous Curry Glassell. Oh my goodness, Joel! Thank you so much. What a what, d- d- can I hire you to do that more? Can you just sort of like present me like that all over the world? That would be so amazing and fabulous. <laughs> Oh, I love it. How how are you going today? I love your energy. <laughs> Thank you. Not bad for 5 a.m. Texas I, time, eh? That's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> if you don't love what, oh. what you do, you know, um, there's no way you're going to get up for 5 a.m. So, so, so it's pleased, really true. So pleased it's, to have you on the call. Oh, yeah. So true. So true. And actually, what you just said is a key key mindset. We want to talk about the mindset to creating a different financial reality. One of them is to love what you do and to do what you love. Oh, so true. I, you know, that is, that is also my mantra and it's, it doesn't it take so much to get people to actually wake up to that. We get so fixed into this mindset of I've got to do what everyone else is trying to tell us to do that you kind of actually forget to to do what you want to really achieve in life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I love the fact that your show is called Mindset to Millions or Millions to Mindset. Which one is it? <laughs> mindset, mindset to Millions. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. Well, it sort of can go both ways, actually, because when you do what you love and you love what you do, then money isn't the issue. And you're enjoying your life so much, money comes along for the party and yeah. for the fun of it. Yeah. Right? It's, 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 the, it's the perspective. It's, it's making that shift. And, and I'm really yeah. excited to kind of explore that further on yeah. the show tonight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or I, sh- I should say uh, early, early this morning for you. <laughs> tonight, um, yeah. tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's all, it's all the same. <laughs> uh, um, look, I, I would love to dive in a little bit deeper to learn a little okay. bit more about your story. And and okay. from what I was reading, it's it's kind of like this: um, riches to rags, and then back to riches again. I mean, I'm oh. like, <laughs> wow, oh, what what a journey! A more to riches, riches to big ass. Can we say the f word on your radio? Yeah, I, I, maybe not. We can, we can, <laughs> or we can beep it out. We can beep it out. <laughs> I was going to say big ass fucking debt, yeah, and then back to getting richer and richer. And actually, I'm still building my riches, you know, because being raised by a billionaire 
is also a little bit of a warped mindset, let me tell you. I mean, it had its good, it had its bad, and it had its really ugly. <laughs> I can so. imagine. I can imagine. So, so you grew up in Houston, Texas? I did. Yeah. And what would you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's talk about so so the really interesting thing is most of us the majority of us who grow up in a you know we we have the mindset of not coming from wealth right so we have all this mindset beliefs that says we're not worthy you know we don't deserve anything more than our parents tell me about <laughs> your mindset when you were young well when I was young, so, oh dear, well, huh, that's interesting because, are you metaf- are you metaphysical at all? I'm not sure where we're, like, I don't know that much about your program, but do people who listen to you believe in past lives at all? I am so willing to go there. I believe in past okay. lives myself, so <laughs> let's do it. Let's go okay. there. there, there okay, yeah, yeah. well, go on. if you're willing to be a little bit on the wild side, because the minute you ask me that, I'm like... Well, yes, and I'm a walk-in. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so, so go that's on. really, yeah, so I'm a walk-in. So the thing is, my life, although it seemed to be glittery and wonderful to people, you know, who would look from the outside and stay on the outside because I was surrounded by just incredible amounts of money, actually, I wanted to die at least two times when I was a little girl because the people who I was, who, who raised me were not nurturing, not kind, not caring, and not interested in me whatsoever. And as a little girl, what I do recall only from like, I've asked for flashbacks and things and and to become more aware as I've been writing my autobiography, which maybe one day will come out. We'll see. (laughs) If not, I'll have to tell the story. Uh, I'll have to tell some other stories, but anyway, um, I was so unhappy and I felt so unacknowledged and I felt so not deserving. I love the fact that you use that word. Mm. I totally felt like I didn't deserve to be there. I didn't deserve what was happening and I should just go away and die. And that's wow. pretty much how I felt most of my life. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was the strangest thing. I, I really felt like I was caught in a prison, like a, like one of those mirrored, like those, like at the carnival, the hall of mirrors, like the strange distorted mirrors, because I would go to school and I would, I would be aware of all these people projecting, Oh my God, you're so lucky. Oh my God, you're so rich. And I'm like, what is so lucky about people not talking to you? What is so lucky about people being mean to you? What is so lucky about being literally physically beaten if you say that you don't agree with something in your household? Mm. So I, there was a lot of abuse, financial, physical, and emotional in my growing up. And I will say I put myself into boarding school and I saved my own life by doing that. Wow, that 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 really touches me. I mean, that that's an incredible experience, you know. And I I, I want to know a little bit more about what's going on in your head at that time. Like, what? So so what got you through? 
Did you did you well, seek did you seek so you, you took yourself to boarding school and so you, you got that, out you got outside of your environment. You got that outside was of that the yeah. beginning. Yeah, that was the beginning of me like I wanna say surviving. I wanna say my entire life was about surviving the the violence in my household. Yeah. And then once I got out, uh then it was like, oh, wow, now I need to figure out how to live and how to create a life, and I know nothing. I am totally ignorant. I don't even know because I was so afraid to talk to people as a kid. I actually didn't even know how to talk to people. I had to learn how to engage with people. Um, When I was growing up, I can tell you this, we never had dinner parties. There were never people that came over. I never had any interaction with the outside world except when I was at school. Mm. So it was, it was really sheltered. You, you couldn't, you just yes. simply couldn't be yourself. No, absolutely. Mm. I absolutely could not be myself. And then I was going back and forth between my father's household and my mother's household. And really, I know why my mother and my father got together and I know why they divorced after okay. about nine months or two years or whoever's story is correct, which I'm not really sure still to this day. Mm. But because they were both completely narcissistic. <laughs> they mm-hmm. were both completely egocentric and self-centered. And this is a real challenge because from what I've learned, and really I have to say I, I owe my sanity to the access consciousness tools mm-hmm. because and myself for finding them, right? Because at 16, when I left home, I started going, Surely there's got to be a way to be happy on this planet. Surely that I did not come here just to be abused. Surely something else is possible. Yeah, there's got to be a better way to live life. Yeah, yeah. and that's actually so I started that thinking process um, when I was 16. You know, uh, before that it was like, God, if I could just make it through the next few months or the next year or God, I want to die or how am I going to survive this? I mean, you know, I would, I would hide with the help, right? So the help became like my, my allies. Mm. They would like hide me sometimes. I would, I just adored our cook and, and, uh, I just adored the morning maid and they sheltered me sort of energetically. Yeah, right. Because they, they were down to earth. They were real and they were kind and they were caring. Yeah. Did you ever see the movie The Help? No, I haven't. Oh, boy. Well, I would suggest that everyone see that. If you want to see how life in the South is, at least in the 50s and 60s when I grew up, that is a true tale. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you, of upper middle class and upper class Southern people. Yeah. And uh, it's a really interesting way to look at it because, I mean, I cried through that whole movie. Mm -hmm. One of the things that that struck me was that the maid that cared for this little girl told her every day, you is smart, you is pretty, you is impotent. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? I would have had such an easier life if one person in my life had told me I was smart I was pretty and I was important. And this is really the driving force of my life, Joel, mm. is to make sure that 
everybody knows they is smart, they is pretty, and they is impotent. Because once you know those three things and that becomes your point of view, nothing can stop you. Not debt, not life, not sorrow, not anything. And I mean death or debt, and I say them similar because they actually are pretty similar. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed, agreed. Look, Kari, that, that is such a beautiful story. And um, it's so it's so true, isn't it? That um, you know we are so in those early years we are so influenced by our environment, and and, oh so, and sometimes you know we can pick up some you know some beliefs, some Ooh. some shit that that really you know <laughs> will stay with us for a while unless we unless we work on it, and and you know we really have to work on it. Um, but we really do. We, we really, really do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, look, let's let's fast forward a little bit and and Ooh, look at good. Um, good. let's look at you know the journey of then you know mm. being in debt and, and mm. uh, you know working your way out of debt. So so tell sure. me a little bit sure. more about that. Sure, sure. Well, again, it was based in things that I was totally unconscious about, unaware about, and totally frightened about. I was totally had no confidence in my capacity to deal with money. I remember spreading my bills out on my bed and it would take me three full days to pay my own bills. And I thought I'm with, what's that? Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, jingle bell. <laughs> They're agreeing. Continue. And I thought, and so I would go into this massive self-judgment and think I am the most retarded, stupid person in the world. Surely everybody else has an easy time paying bills. I don't know how they do it. I never saw anybody pay bills, but I thought this is like one of the most intense things for me to do in my life. And it would take me three full days. Once a month, I would just basically turn off. Well, back then we didn't have cell phones, but I would like, you know, I would like bar myself up in my bedroom. All my bills would be on my king size bed. And I would set about, I'm going on this bed until I write out every check, pay every bill and make sure that everything's done. Okay. So those were the days that, that I grew up in. And so when I got married, I thought, Oh, finally a savior. Cause men are supposed to be able to manage all this. Right. <laughs> so I, yes, first big, big, big mistake. Yeah. So I gave total control of all my money, which I did have some money from my father He had given me some money and I gave control of it to my now ex-husband. Talk about something you should never, ever do. And this is what I tell my students. I tell my clients. I tell everyone I work with, never give your money away, your power away to anyone else, whether it's a financial advisor, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's a doctor, whether it's a guru, whether it's an Indian chief, whether it's a husband, whether it's a child. Never trust anyone else with your money. Never, ever, ever. But I didn't have that advice back then. So I was like, oh, my God, you know, because what I saw growing up, I mean, what I saw, literally I observed that my dad went to work, paid the bills, and my stepmother sort of piddled around the house. Mm -hmm. And took us to school and back, right? That's what I saw. That's what I thought you were supposed to do. And then I also got these messages from my dad. You're supposed to get married and your husband will take care of you. Marry a rich man and go away. So I had all these different like things, projections, expectations, and judgments coming at me. So 
I did marry. I, I was a little bit of a resistant bitch, so I married a poor man. Yes, I know. Not my brightest move, I might add. Let me also suggest marry rich if you can possibly. <laughs> marry someone who has money no matter what. Ooh. <laughs> but, but, because. But a friend of mine, a friend of mine what? says, a friend of mine says, but a man is not a financial plan. <laughs> A man is not a financial plan, yeah. and if he has a job and he has money, life can be a lot easier. <laughs> it, you, it, it's just, it's just. But see, I, the problem was I resisted the money. Yeah. Because for me, I thought money was the root of all my problems. Mm. I thought because of the wealth and the money, that's why people were so unkind and mean. So I had a lot of mindsets, as you would say. I had a lot of points of view that were creating my reality and that were leading me up to this, like, sort of slide into death that occurred for me. So I got married. I had that I was in love with him. He was going to be a preacher, and he had no money. He did come from a good family that had some money, right? Yeah. But anyway, that's another story, but not that much money. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so not anything compared to what I was raised around. So, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and his father was definitely not going to give him any money, you know, so it was really wild. Anyway, so to make a long story short, it was kind of like we were two kids, like, like out of control, and it was – you know, it was the first time that I didn't have my father's like sort of like pounding on me. Don't do this. Don't do that. If you do this, you know, you know, all these like rules. So I felt kind of free. And then my my ex-husband guy, he sort of had the same kind of thing with his dad was kind of strict. And so he was like, oh, my God, look at all this money we had, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the next thing I know, we're we're moving to Florida. We're buying a boat. We're buying a, a, a lake house in, on the lake in Oklahoma. And we're 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 building this fabulously huge house in this part of Florida, a fancy pants uh, Tampa Palms. And, you know, I'm like, I'm like thinking that he's caring for this money that he knows that, you know, there is a limited amount here and he's not going to spend all of it. Surely. Right. But, (laughs) but I, but I actually become very unconscious. I willfully let him take control and I begin to fall into this role that I learned growing up that my job was to have the baby and my mm-hmm. job was to decorate the home mm-hmm. and my job was to try and be friends with, you know, have a social club and ever. And, and hand you know? over all, all the finances to, to him to, to look yes. after. Yeah, yeah. Yes, mm. yeah. And you, yes. you had no and idea what was going on with the books in terms of, you know, what he was doing. Is I, that that's right. right. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's right. And of course, the books like tripled and quadrupled in size from when it was just me and my one house and all the utilities. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. all of a sudden we were we just tripled everything tripled. So I was like, <sighs> yes. And I did not look at the books. Please, please, please. Everybody out there listening, never do this. <laughs> please <laughs> learn from my example and never do this to yourself. So the thing is, really, he handled 
he handled, he seemingly handled our life just fine. I mean, we didn't have any creditors. I mean, we never had any problems. I mean, cause I saw the mail. There was never, it's not like we didn't pay our bills, right? It's just, we were spending a lot of money. Right. Mm. And, um, and I also didn't really pay attention or notice when, um, like for instance, when, when we divorced, I found out that we had three pianos that were not paid for that we owed money on. Three pianos. And, and, That's just an example. Seriously, who needs three pianos? <laughs> well, who needs three pianos except if you're uh, running a church and a day school so, A, you have to have a grand piano in your church for your music leader. I mean, you can't have a church without a piano. That's just unthinkable. And then you have, um, I'm trying to think why we had the other piano. I can't remember right now. It was either we bought it for the music leader or we had it in our home. Okay. Well, I can't okay. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't even remember. But anyway, so those are the kind of things. So I found myself in just about $2 million worth of debt at the divorce. And this was all types of things like that. Wow. Everything we were, we were living, everything we were doing, he had done everything on credit. Like <sighs> we had just paid a down payment on everything. And I was like, holy smoke. So, you know, first so- thing I did. Well, let me tell you, the first thing I did was I went to my dad and I basically, basically, you know, like, what is the opposite of saving face? I basically said, I'm such an idiot. Look what I've done. Will you help me? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did what you would, you know, like what, I mean, if my child did that to me now, I would totally help him and work out a plan. But my dad was like, huh, too bad, kiddo. You're on your own. And this is a multi, this is a multi, multi-billionaire. This is a guy who was one of the first to, you know, his father made money in the oil and gas industry days in like the thirties and forties. This is, this is not someone who couldn't do it. You know, he couldn't, I asked him if he would help me pay it off and I could like pay him off over time. It wasn't like I wanted to completely get release from the debt, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even even I, the act of you having to go back and oh, approach your father and go, uh, you know, I've stuffed up, oh, I need your help. Yeah. I mean, that that in it itself, whoa, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and I did not, there was no reward for that. There was no, there was, there was nothing. There was just more shit on my face because of that. Right. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, Oh man. Okay. And then I'm like, I think I cried for three days. And then at this point, of course I had a, uh, I think I had like a three month old and a four year old. So I went, okay, Curry, you got to get your shit together because, uh, something has to change here. So what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And I thought, okay, the only thing I know to do And this just came to me. Literally, this was just my own thinking. I went, I'm going to call everybody I owe money to, and I'm going to talk to them personally and see if I can work out a payment plan that actually fits in my budget. Yeah, yeah. So step one was negotiate a payment plan. 
Step one was negotiate. Second step, when I realized that I still had much more money to cover than I had budget for, I went, okay, what can I sell? Step two was sell everything I could. Yeah. So, okay. So everything the you know, the pianos, the, the boat, the, you know, and I called on a friend of mine who, um, lived around Kima, Texas. And so I actually paid for him to go to Florida, get the boat, drive it to Kima and sell it. And of course I gave him a percentage of the sale. I mean, I called on friends of mine to help me and I'm like, can you please help me? And I gave them a percentage for helping me after the sale was complete. Mm, wow. Then, so, then you're negotiating a win-win. So it, 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 I really, and I actually, thank you so much for asking me this question, Joel, because I never really acknowledged that somewhere I came up with this idea to do all this. Yeah. No one taught me ever. I never was taught a thing about money or how to manage money. I really have been winging it by the seat of my pants until I met Gary Douglas and Dane here and I started taking their classes and I recognized there's a difference between being unconscious with money and being conscious with money. Mm. So at this, at this time, that's when you, when you got access to this information and you started no. to, no, oh, no, 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 this was 1996. Right, right. The divorce was in 1996. I did not have the pleasure to meet Gary or Dane until 2001. Right. Wow. Okay. So yeah, you, you essentially started to put the pieces together yourself. You went through, I oh, mean, it was, it was I, term, turmoil. I, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Sorry. Hello. I just, are you there? Hello. I can hear you fine. Can you hear me? Okay. You can hear me. It's kind of gotten a bit wonky. Okay. Let's see how we go. <laughs> Um, a lot of energy, a lot of energy going on. So yeah, yeah. Actually, this is this is what occurred. So I actually created that, and I sold everything I could sell, and I sold it for a really, really low price. However, it was money that went towards that debt, and so it made a huge difference for me, and I just sold anything I could at the price I could. Right, right. So, so t- tell me, um, so, I mean, this, this was a process, you know, obviously a number of years where you, you, you went through the turmoil, but you, you put this into place and you slowly yes. started to dig your way out. Is that right? Yes. Yes, it is true. And it was slow and I just was stubborn and I didn't stop. And the thing that really encouraged me was that when people were willing to negotiate me, that gave me hope. That was like, oh my gosh, okay, so I can't, I can actually do something. I can actually create, I can save myself, you know? And it was kind of ironic because, you know, I was assisting my husband with the church and we were always telling people that Jesus saves. And I'm like, damn, I'm definitely saving myself. Jesus is totally not saving me on this one. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, dang. <laughs> So I had some very enlightening moments along the way getting out of debt. And and I would really encourage anyone, um, like the two number one things to getting out of debt would be know that you can negotiate. If you're willing to be there personally and you're willing to talk to people and you're willing to put your entire um, 
being into creating a change, you can make a change, but you can't make a change sitting on the sidelines. You can't make a change hoping that someone's going to save you. You can't make a change if all you think in your mind is that you can't make a change. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really powerful. And I think, um, what you've just indicated there essentially is that the way out was to take control of the situation rather than giving power to somebody else. You took control of the situation. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, that was one, one of the things that I, I definitely wanted to explore tonight was, you know, if somebody, somebody listening to this um, is in a similar position where things are just completely out of control, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe, maybe one of the things I'd like to also talk about is what goes on in your head at the time. So some of the, some of the thoughts that come up, you know, when, when you realize that you're in, you know, for lack of a better word, you're in the shit and you need to find a way out, mm-hmm. what, what's mm-hmm. going on in your head? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing that the, the, I'm going to, I love your term mindset. So yeah. I'm going to say my mindset changed and I went, okay. And I got clear. I created this shit. Yeah. Now, how am I going to uncreate it? How am I going to change it? This is my responsibility. So the very first thing that really, uh, and this again, I encourage and facilitate all my clients. You must be brutally honest with yourself and get clear that this mess is your mess. It doesn't matter if you had a husband. It doesn't matter if you had a bad boss. It doesn't matter if you had a terrible partner that screwed you. Somewhere, somehow, you were okay with it and you were part in the creation of it. So now, if you're willing, that is like the number one step to get that you created where you are. Yeah. Uh, to, to, um, to, to, I think, you know, one of the things that, that I can think about here too is, you know, there's, there's obviously going to be that period of feeling shameful, being in a, you know, the, oh. the, this, this almost like a depression, you know, to, to come through that and then to step, to step into owning it and, and being okay with it. I think that's, that's what you're talking about, isn't it? It's like making that, that step um, to get beyond that negative self-talk. You absolutely have to make that step. Now, I will say this. It was a, I want to say, <laughs> like a ping-pong match um, for me until I started learning and incorporating the access tools into my life. It was really a ping pong match for me from, I can do it. I can't do it. Okay. Oh, I am getting out. Oh my God. I'm so wrong. I'm so bad. It was literally ping pong, ping pong. I went back and forth and back and forth for really those four or five years And I would say I went in and out of depression for four or five years, even while I was creating, getting out of it, because I didn't know these basic tools. I didn't know that I didn't have to live in blame, shame, and regret. I didn't know there were implanted points of view. I didn't know I had choice. I didn't know that if I acknowledged 
one thing that I did that was good and positive and making a change, that that would like launch me into creating more positive, good, and amazing changes. I didn't know these basic tools that have changed my whole universe. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that every choice I made created an outcome. I had no clue. I even had choice at that time. It's that, it's that thing of running on automatic versus taking control. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. I oh, love- yes. I was so on automatic. Like, yeah. I don't know what automatic, like up, down. Can I, can't I, I mean, I went back and forth in my mind and, uh, it really was not easy. I did do it. I think I'm just one of the most stubborn people you'll ever meet. (laughs) And I had this driving force inside of me that was like, surely there has to be something better. Where is happiness? Yeah. Yeah. Can, can I, can I ask a, a, um, a question too around, you know, for, for the, the parents listening out there, cause you've got two, two kids, two boys. Is that right? Yes, I do. How? Well, they're not boys anymore. They're not boys anymore. <laughs> they're about, they, one just turned 25 and on August 9th, my youngest who was four months old at the time of the divorce will be 21. Yeah. How, how do you go about um, you know, looking after your family while you're going through all of that and, and essentially, you know, there's going to be wanting to save face as well. You don't want to drag the ones that you love into the turmoil that that's going on in your head and, and on, on those, those statements. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about that and then something maybe, you know, you could, you could say to, to anyone in that situation. Well, I had to prioritize. So mm-hmm. before that, before I became aware of the access consciousness tools, which was 1996 to 2001, what I had to do was I had to prioritize and put myself on a very strict budget because that's all I knew to do. And like I said, I sold everything that was excess. And I also moved into a very small house, the smallest house I'd ever lived in in my life. And I began to look at where do I need to put my money? What do I need to do here while I'm going through this transition and this changing, getting out of this debt? And so for me, my priorities were school for the kids, clothes for the kids, food, shelter, the real basic, um, Basically, I, you know, I had plenty of clothes and I limited any shopping I did to, believe it or not, this is what I did. Like after December, when the the fall sales and the summer sales, they come two times a year and I started buying clothes during those times and I really began to be grateful for what I had and not spend excessively. I just limited myself. Mm -hmm. Now this is not what access consciousness taught me, Mm -hmm. but this is all I knew to do at the time. Right. Right. Okay. I, I would say, I wish I had had those tools earlier. I would have flourished sooner because the the one of one of the greatest tools in access consciousness for creating greater wealth is what can you add to your life don't 
slow down your life, don't stop your life, don't make it smaller, don't spend less, don't spend more necessarily by any means, but what can you add to your life to create and generate another revenue stream? I never had that thought before until 2001, 2002, okay? That thought never occurred to me. I didn't know that was even possible. So I had four years of, of a very difficult time, and then I did create it. And I, I can tell you these tools, then it wasn't until the Access Consciousness tools in those classes, then I began to start creating the wealth again. Right. I was basically stuck in getting rid of the debt and surviving. And then I met Gary Douglas and Dr. Dane here, and I began to recognize that I was the potency and the power and the source of my future. Now, what did my future, what did I desire for my future? And that is what began to recreate my wealth, is me acknowledging that I was the source and that I had choice and these amazing tools that I that have totally transformed my life and my financial reality. That's really powerful. I'd love to know a little bit more about these tools and... <laughs> You know, one, one, some of the first things that you'd look at doing, like, um, you know, stepping out of those limiting beliefs and, and really getting on track with our finances. Tell me, tell me some of the things that we can do, you know, with these tools um, mm, to, mm. To, really, to really start, you know, start on the right path. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the very first tool that changed my life is now you remember I came from I was raised in the church right so mm. all my life I heard tied to the church that was common mm. you give 10% of everything you own to the church that's just what you did so I get to access consciousness classes and they say give 10% to you if you want to create a greater future I went whoa you're kidding right <laughs> I'm like, that's like the coolest thing ever. I knew exactly what they were talking about, right? I'm just like, oh, so I become like my own church. Oh, that's like really cool. So I'm like building up my own congregation. I mean, it was so easy for me. And so I immediately, the first class I heard that put away 10% of everything that comes into your life, whether it's $100, $1,000 or more, put it away, get a little safe box, you know, or put it under your bed, or, or whatever whatever feels easy. I don't know what part of town you live in, but whatever feels easy for you, right? What, if it's light for you, it's going to be right for you. So for me, um, I began to put away money into actually like, it wasn't a savings fund, because savings is your saving for a rainy day. That is not the energy I was looking to create. The 10% fund was a fund that was me. It was all about me and it was about my future and it was telling the universe that I'm important, I'm valuable, and I love money. Ha ha. I Excellent. love having having money as opposed to spending money. Yeah, so it was it was getting getting uh beyond because because one of the things I think we often do is we pay everyone else first before we mm. pay ourselves, right? And when we pay ourselves, yes. that's often via actually spending. So what you're saying here is you paid your yourself via an yes. investment in yourself. So you looked at yourself as an investment. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. And paid myself first 
and then everything else second. And this is, you know, probably, you know, I don't call myself a financial advisor. Okay. I am not, I'm not a CPA. I'm none of that. I'm strictly talking to you on an energetic level that this, if you do this for however long it takes you, whether, um, sometimes it's six months, nine months, a year and a half. But if you, when you get to the amount of money that is accumulated in that, what I call my self-respect fund, other people call it their 10% fund. For me, it was about gaining self-respect for myself. So I called it that. And once that amount was equal to six months of my gross income, I had a release and an ease about money and worry basically went out the window. There was this ease and this peace and it's energetic and you, you just get it when you get it. You experience it when you experience it and it changes your whole point of view around money and you. Because mm, mm. you, you essentially changed the association you had with money. You, you, you essentially changed the fact that you no longer were having that lack relationship to money. Is that right? You no longer have lack. That is, the inner, that is it right there. You no longer have lack because no matter what your, your week looks like, you have whatever, say your income is $5,000 a month, right? When you imagine having $50,000 in a bank account, just think of that right now. If you had $50,000 in a bank account or if you had five months worth of your gross income in a bank account, whatever it is, if it's, you know, maybe it's 50000 maybe it's 15000 maybe it's 150000 I'm not sure where you all are at or where you live from, whatever it is, your sense of need will dissipate and you won't function any longer from I need, I need, I need. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to build wealth from that period of neediness, right? It just doesn't work. It's impossible because need always leads to greed Yeah, (laughs) and you're always worried and then there's, that is that energy. And, and actually just to turn the tables a little bit, that's a great energy to spot. If you want to get a good deal when you're buying antiques. Mm. So you will get the best deal from someone who functions from need because they're ready. They will be willing to sell you whatever they have for the bottom price. <laughs> Makes so, sense. So you know, these principles work in so many ways and they're so practical. They work and they're practical. So, okay. So let's go over what I said. So first we're coming out of a can't mindset. That's like most important. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so second step, second step. What do we say? The second step is, is the the 10% fund? 10%. Yeah. Third step. What can you add to your life to create and generate more money right away? What can you add? What can you add? What talent and ability and capacity do you have that you're not using to your fullest potential? That's a, that's a really powerful question as well because a lot of us just don't 
go there. We we just do what we've done previously and we don't open up to our natural gifted abilities. Correct. Correct. And it's really strange, but my hunch is the thing you take for granted is the thing that will make you the most money. The thing you don't acknowledge as great about you could possibly be the thing that could make you the most money. Um, that is that is very powerful, Curry. <laughs> that is that is a take-home moment right there. <laughs> so thanks for thanks for sharing that. Look, um, I, I do want to wrap things up shortly, but let's sure, let's look sure. at how you um, you know the program that you offer. How can uh, people get involved and uh, continue the discussion? Okay, so we have uh, several ways. One, I have uh, my new my newest baby is a podcast, which is really cool, and you can find it on um, iTunes or Podbeam. It's called Gems, G-E-M-S. That's glamour, elegance, money, and sex, and not necessarily in that order. And those are little tidbits that come out weekly. Or you go to my website, curryglasscell.com, and there's a list of the classes I teach. There's free videos. There are links to. And you can see if this is the kind of class that is something that interests you, um, if what I say, you know, turns you on or interests you, that's great. You can also go to Access Consciousness. I'm one of many facilitators that facilitate these amazing tools. I just happen to facilitate around money and wealth and riches because it's fun for me. So is that good? Yeah, I love that. Okay. <laughs> I, I encourage everyone listening to go check out. So it's curryglassell.com. Go check out mm-hmm. the podcast. Um, Curry, it has been such an uh, such a pleasure to have you on the call. And, again, oh, thank you, you so much for getting up early to speak. Um, I'm sure oh. everyone listening will really appreciate it. And I, I love that you went there um, with your story and, and, you know, there was no filter. And I think everyone mm. will be able to relate and, and really connect with you on a really personal Aww. level, you know. So so that that's really beautiful. And um, so so thanks again. And I just encourage everyone to go, go check out Curry and what she's doing. I think she's doing, you know, changing lives. So um, before we sign off, have you got any final words? Um, Choice creates. Whatever Mm. choice you make will create your future. So make a choice. (laughs) And and if you don't like the choice you're making, you can change it in 10 seconds and make another choice. You're never stuck with that one choice. Powerful, very powerful. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you once again, Curry, and I hope you have an You're awesome so day. welcome. You're so welcome. Thank you so much, Joel. It's been an honor to be with you and have an awesome evening. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> You've been listening to the Mindset to Millions podcast. Ready to take your mindset to the next level? Visit mindset2millions.com. That's mindset the number two millions.com.